0: looked and the bush was blazing yet it was not consumed then moses said i must turn aside and look at this great sight to see why the bush is not burned up when the lord saw that he had turned aside to see god called to him out of the bush moses moses and he said here i am then he said come no closer And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was younger, and we used to get together with a bunch of us cousins and people from the kids from the area, we'd get together to play and play outside, and one of the games that we loved to play the most was hide and seek. Any of y'all ever play hide and seek growing up? Yeah, I always loved to play. I never was very good at it, though, because I was always too chunky to get in the really good hiding places, so they always found me right away, you know. Um, But here's how we did it, and maybe everybody has different rules, but here were the Hayes Cousin rules. You had a seeker, right, the one who was it, and, and the seeker had to hide his eyes up against a tree, usually, like this. No peeking. We all had to make sure there was no peeking. And then the seeker would count to fifty, and you had to count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi to make sure you didn't cheat because some people talk faster than others. So you want all, one Mississippi all the way to fifty, and then you said these words: if you were the seeker, ready or not, here I come. Okay, and that that was a warning to everybody who was hiding. And then the seeker would go and find people, and there's usually one or two. That hid so well, they didn't get found, and then the seeker would give up. And then the seeker would say the other magic words, come out, come out, wherever you are. And then you had to. It was the rule. You had to come out. No matter if you didn't want to give up your good hiding place, once come out, come out, wherever you are, once those words were said, you had to come out. That was the way we did it. It was fun. But you know, sometimes I think that Moses would have been really good at playing hide-and-seek because he had been in hiding almost all of his life. From the time he was a little bitty baby, he was just three months old when his mom hit him in a basket. Remember? Put him out on the river to keep him from from being killed because Pharaoh had said all the Hebrew baby boys were going to be killed, and his mom hit him. And his sister followed along among the bulrushes and saw that the princess was down in the water and was taking a, a, a bath and she noticed baby Moses hidden in this basket and she picked him up and, and Moses' sister came out and said, hey, do you need someone to nurse that baby? Because I just so happen to know somebody that could do that for you. And now Moses, hidden in the Pharaoh's palace, is also in secret going to his own mother to be nursed. Oh, it just keeps getting better and better. But Moses growing up in the palace, I think about that, and I think about how conflicted he must have been, and how he must have been having sort of an identity crisis. Who am I really? Am, am I the prince of Egypt? Am, am I uh, a Hebrew? I know these are my people, and I know how he must have been angry when he saw how his own people were oppressed, and uh, and abused, and enslaved, and and one day he just came to the boiling point. He, he couldn't stand it anymore. He saw an Egyptian beating a, a Hebrew. And, and the scripture says that he looked around to see that no one was watching him. And then he went and killed the Egyptian and hid his body. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I've watched Law and Order enough to know that's first degree murder, right? Premeditated and all. And he thought that nobody saw. But I also have watched CSI enough to know that somebody always sees something, you know. It always comes back to get you. And that's what happened to Moses. Because one day he saw two Hebrews fighting amongst each other. And he went up and said, break it up, guys. Break it up. And one of them said, well, who died and left you, Pharaoh? And then the other one said, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill us like you did that Egyptian and hide our bodies too? And he thought, "Uh uh-oh the jig is up. And so Pharaoh put a price out on his head and he ran and he hid. The backside of nowhere in Midian. He met a local girl there and he married her and then he went to work for his father-in-law, Jethro, taking care of what he did every day, he took care of sheep. I can imagine him coming home from work and and his wife, Zipporah, saying, well, how would it go today, honey? And he said, well, you know, same old, same old, just me and the sheep, the sheep and me. Until one day, his routine was disrupted by an incredible sight. This bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. And he said, I think I'm going to go see about that. And it's a good thing he did because what God was about to do was he was about to change his job description. The acrostic for today and, and outline for today, if you find in your bulletin, is uh, the word work. And the W for work stands for when life is disrupted, be on the lookout for God. God loves to speak to us through life's disruptions. It's easy, isn't it, to get lulled into a trance by the ordinary routines of our day. Sometimes we could do what we do with our eyes closed almost. And then God sends us a moment like this, this burning bush moment. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. If we're not careful, we won't have eyes to see what God is trying so hard to show us. Elizabeth Barrett Browning writes this poem that I included in your outline today. It says, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush a fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. Only he who sees. Well, Moses was paying attention that day. He said, I think I'll move in for a closer look. I want to just kind of stop right here and ask you to think about think about your own life. Is there anything going on in your life right now that makes you need to pause and to say, I think I'm going to go in for a closer look. I think maybe God is trying to get my attention. So as Moses goes in for a closer look, then God calls out from the middle of his disruption from the middle of his burning bush and says Moses Moses and Moses says here I am it's interesting that he calls his name twice anytime you see in the Bible where God calls someone's name twice is for emphasis it's God's trying to get their attention like in in Genesis 22 when he says Abraham Abraham and and Abraham says here I am and And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, God calls out to Samuel. He says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And even in the New Testament in Acts uh, where where Saul is on the road to Damascus and he gets struck down and the Lord says to him, Saul, Saul. It reminds me of when I was little and my mom would use my full name to call me. Samuel Ray, Hayes. you get in here right this minute. And I'm like, okay, mom, you got my attention now. The full name. God wants to get Moses' attention. And then he tells him something kind of strange. He says, Take your sandals off, Moses, because you're on holy ground now. The O in the acrostic for work stands for ordinary becomes holy with the presence of God. What is it that makes that place holy ground? It's just. A mountain at this point. Later on it's going to be the place where Moses comes back to get the Ten Commandments. It's Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. But right now it's just a mountain. And that bush is just a bush. It's not a magic bush. But what makes it sacred, what makes it holy, what makes it special is the presence of the living God. The presence of God. I want you to take just a minute. And I really want you to do this. Just turn and look. At these beautiful stained glass windows, the beautiful cross, the other symbols that we have in here, we have got a wonderful place to worship. This is special. It's sacred. It's holy ground. But what makes it sacred, special, holy is not the stained glass. It's not the symbols. It's not anything except the presence of God that is felt when two or three people are gathered in his name. His presence makes it special. So let's take this a step further. Did you know that ordinary you and ordinary me, we become sacred space because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside us? Listen to Paul's word in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So I want you to do something for me. I want you to, everybody, place your hand over your heart like this, like we're about to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Ordinary you. Ordinary me. Sacred space. Sacred space because the Holy Spirit makes us sacred space. We ought to just take our shoes off right now. Because this is holy ground. That brings me to the R in our acrostic for today. The R stands for remove your shoes and your excuses. You see, every time we look at a story in the Bible, we, we sometimes get caught up in the character. I mean, Moses is quite a character. He's a very interesting guy. But we always need to ask ourselves when we look at a story, what? What does this say about God? And this says a lot about God. It says at least three things. It says one that, that God cares. God cares about what's going on with his people. He does. And sometimes we don't think that. Sometimes we think, well, God must be asleep or or that God's too busy doing other big cosmic things to, to have time to worry about somebody like me. But notice what it it says in verse 7. Where God says, I've observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering. I know. I know here. I know here. What my people are going through. God knows. God cares. And something else this says about God is that God speaks. Do you believe God still speaks today? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Maybe not out of a burning bush, maybe not in an audible voice, but God speaks today all the time through his word, through other people, through life's disruptions. It's not a matter of if God speaks. It's a matter of if we'll be quiet enough to listen. Do you have enough quiet time in your life where you just listen to God? It's tempting to spend every waking minute with constant streams of noise and input and to just be quiet. God still speaks and then God still calls. God calls. God, after God said, I've seen the misery of my people, I've heard their cries, I imagine... Uh, uh, Moses is nodding his head and and the whole time he's saying yeah I know it's it's bad because uh, God says I'm going to rescue them and Moses is like great idea God because I've wanted that ever since I was a young man in Egypt when I lived in Pharaoh's palace and then the other shoe drops because God says I'm sending you I'm sending you Moses and sometimes Think Moses must have been thinking, why why are you not me? I, I mean, I'm 80 years old, for crying out loud. I'm a shepherd. I, I just... But God chooses, you know, to use ordinary people in extraordinary ways to accomplish his work here on this earth, not just people who look like Charlton Heston, which I'm convinced Moses looks like Charlton Heston. Don't you? He's got to, when I meet him in heaven, he's got to look like Charlton Heston. But God is calling us. So after we take our shoes off because it's holy ground, the next thing we ought to do is just remove our excuses. And I have many excellent excuses that I use Whenever I don't want to do what God wants me to do. Sometimes I use the ones Moses used. Moses used five. The first one was, who am I, God, that I should go and talk to Pharaoh? I mean, the last time I left, Pharaoh had a price out on my head. Who am I? And God's answer to that is, I will be with you. That's who you are. The next excuse he said was, who are you, God? I mean, they're going to want to know. Uh, if I say the God of your ancestors has sent me, they're going to say, well, what's his name? And God says, I am who I am. You tell them that. His third excuse is, what if they don't believe me? And then God said, throw your staff down on the ground. He threw his staff down and became a snake. You remember that? I got no problem with that. It was when he said to pick it up again. And uh, that would have been, I would be like, uh, hey, Aaron, come over here. God wants you to pick a, pick that up. And his fourth excuse was this. He said, you know, God, I'm really not good at public speaking. I've got this speech impediment. And by this time, God was kind of getting a little bit angry at Moses. He doesn't smite him or anything, but he's really getting angry with him. And he says, Moses, who do you think made your mouth? Don't you think the one who made your mouth can also put the words in there that you need to say? And then Moses finally just blurted out his fifth one, which is the one he wanted to say all along, Lord, please send somebody else besides me. Please send somebody else. You know, God had already anticipated Moses' excuses because by the time Moses got here, his brother Aaron was already on the way. And I don't know what excuses you have maybe you use some of these that Moses used but what God is calling you to do he's already answered your excuses he's already prepared the way and we might as well just take our excuses off as we remove our shoes the K in the acrostic sense for this keep God's call and God's promises in front of you keep God's call And God's promises in front of you because when you say yes to God's call, you are going to face obstacles. You just are. When you say yes to God's call, things may get worse before they get better. Like they did for Moses. When you say yes to God's call, other people might actually fight you. Even some of your own family might not understand what you're trying to do. That's why it's important, it's imperative to keep God's promise and God's call in front of you like your true north on your compass as you navigate your way through the obstacles that life will throw at you. Burning bushes are still out there, church. There is still work to be done, and God has called us partner with him to do it. So I want to close by asking you a question and then saying one last magic phrase. The question is this, have you seen any burning bushes lately? And the phrase is this. something to help out with that and the table by the hazel oliver entrance there are a bunch of these sheets that list in great detail the places in your church where you can plug in and serve so let's get to work let's pray also clear to us, Lord, that you still speak and that you still call us to be in partnership with you to accomplish your purpose, your kingdom's purpose on this earth. Help us not to hide around the fringes. Help us not, Lord, to come up with a bunch of excuses. This is holy ground, Lord. Help us to listen. Say yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. So it is with a heart of thanksgiving that we come and we serve and we do what we do for the Lord. So let us express that as we sing number 694.